0: Hello there, this is Guru talking to you about Anchor.fm. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. First off, it's completely free. Second, there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will also distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast as well with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started.
1: Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to the Ballistic Podcast. Today, we have our... Special awards night coming your way, where me, Guru, and Jeff from Phoenix, Arizona, give our selections for our awards. Who we think deserve the top awards in the NBA this year, and of course, me, Guru, and Jeff is joining us all the way from Arizona through Skype. Jeff, how's it how's it going there, man?
2: It's good. It's good. I'm excited to be on this podcast from such far away. You know?
1: Yeah. I'm excited the things technology does anyways let's get on to our awards we're going to be handing out let me do my math one two three four five i think 10 or ten, eleven 11 awards wow yeah we're going to be handing out the hardware exactly yes but first we're going to start with the Razzie awards right the Razzie type awards like the most disappointing players the most disappointing team we're going to start off with that we're going to start off with the most disappointing players stuff like that okay. those kind of awards right then we're going to get into the real meat all the good awards okay So we're going to start off with, first of all, most disappointing player, okay? So this could be a player that maybe you had a certain amount of expectations coming into this season, and he just fell off a cliff, essentially. That's basically what it is, most disappointing player. So Jeff, hey Jeff, you there? Yeah, I'm here. Go ahead, give me your pick.
2: Okay, most disappointing player. So one player, okay, do you guys know if any players got a seventy-two million four-year deal. $72 you know? Million. I know,
1: 94. I don't know if
0: 72. Uh, <laughs> $72. Dollar, okay. Not off the top of my Evan head. Evan Turner?
2: No. Well, the player is Joakim Noah. Oh, he oh okay. He played a total of 46 games this season, but that's not even the worst of it. When he did play, he was pretty much unserviceable. He shot 44% from, from the free throw line, which is like Andre Drummond level. He only made... Uh, I only made five points per game, you know, eight rebounds and two assists. And that's like hugely disappointing for a player that in 2011 was considered like a top five MVP candidate. Now he's like making big money but not doing anything. So that's my most disappointing player. But
1: uh, what, what, do you think there were any expectations from Noah coming into this season?
0: Yeah, I, I mean, mean, just because he was paid a lot of money doesn't. I don't think it really means that we had high expectations of him going into the season I think that's just the way it
2: turned out I think it definitely turned out that way but I mean you don't pay a player that much money for nothing you know they were called you know there were names being thrown out there that they were going to be a super team they have a good they have a good core that maybe is like three years too old but I think there was expectations of them at least doing something you know at least making the playoffs but Joakim only played half those games and you know sure he has injury history but if when you give someone that much money for such a long time, yeah. you're expected to do something.
1: Yeah, that's definitely true for I sure. Mean, he he's clearly been a big big ass bust. I mean, it's been ridiculous.
0: He screwed yeah. over Phil Jackson and the Knicks. I mean, grew. what about you? Yeah, so I'm gonna go with someone who was on my fantasy team this year. I I did not expect any of our listeners to have any knowledge of our of my fantasy team this year, and he has a five year, one hundred twenty million dollar contract. Holy crap. Anyone want to take oh, any guesses? Batum, huh? Yeah. Five yeah. Batum, Nicholas Batum, and as as I said, five years, one hundred twenty million dollar contract was expected to be a big contributor to the Charlotte Hornets this year and their playoff hopes. Well, guess what? They didn't make the playoffs. They moved Nick Batum from his usual sh- small forward spot to the shooting guard position, and he did not transition very well. Yes, he had a uh, he had uh, an all around stat line. But he's expected to score more on that team. And he's expected to be the go-to guy. And he, he just wasn't that kind of a guy this year, given given his contract. So I'm I'm going to give my most disappointing player to him. just because I expected more from him this year. Okay, that's interesting. Did not come up with that.
1: You think you had much higher expectations from him? Or just a few more expectations and he just did
0: not fill that bar? I thought that since the Hornets let go of Courtney Lee that would give a bigger gap for Nicholas Batum to try and and take over, right? Yeah. Because not only is he does he have to take care of his scoring, he has to take care of his scoring, Courtney Lee's scoring, et cetera, et cetera, right? And also having Michael Kitt, Gil, Gilchrist in the lineup put more responsibility on Batum to be more of an offensive player, and he just wasn't that kind of a guy. put a lot of pressure on Kemba Walker, I felt. Okay. All right.
2: Yeah, I, I find that interesting because I was considering putting Batum based on everything that's been going on, but everyone's been saying for the season, but he's actually averaging career highs in points and rebounds, which is pretty surprising. And actually assists also. Um, So he's actually improved a bit, but his shooting percentages are down. I don't... And his his turnovers are way up. That's true. But everyone's turnovers are way up this year. Um, So, I mean, compared to last year, he's not actually that much worse, or he's actually... Other than percentage-wise, he's actually better. So I don't know about this year... I mean, if you when you compare it with the contract, then that makes sense. 120 million for five years, but compared to last year, I don't think he's actually gotten that much worse. He's just the same, same all-around player that doesn't really score much. But if you're expecting him to score, then yeah, that's disappointing.
1: Okay, all right, I'll give you guys my selection, and Guru, you you know my selection. I've I've been ranting about this guy since the beginning of the podcast. Yeah. He's on my fantasy team too, by yeah. the way and it's this? it's Reggie I think I'm so great I can make every single shot and ball hog Jackson from the Detroit Pistons. The guy just fell off a cliff, man. I mean, he played so well last season. I think there were some pretty high expectations <laughs> for Jackson going into the season, all right? And he was expected to be the leader of the Pistons team. Guess what happened? Injured, he got benched for Ish Smith, who by the way, the Pistons played much better with Ish Smith than without Reggie Jackson. And I think Reggie Jackson has to be blamed Or partly stunting the growth of Andre Drummond. Because if he gave Drummond the ball more, I think we could be talking Mm -hmm. about Drummond in a much higher status. So Reggie Jackson, in my opinion, most disappointing player of the season. What are your thoughts on that?
0: So you're asking for my thoughts? Yeah. Yeah, I I totally agree with you. I just thought that, you know, he started off the year injured and then he came off the DL and he, he was playing okay. But he was really just known as a scorer and not really as a distributor, someone you can depend on on the defensive end as well. And it just became apparent that Ish Smith was better for that lineup in general. Yeah. And you saw Stan Van Gundy sort of juggle with both those players, struggle with the decision. And I think that's the number one, that's the number one reason why the Pistons did not make the playoffs this year. Disappointing. Because, because, yeah. Just because of the Reggie Jackson situation. And so do we play him or do we not play him? When do we play him? Yeah. Where do we play him? Right? Right. Because you're paying him all this money for a reason, right? You want him to be successful. You want to find a spot for him on the team. They were unable to do that this year. And it was sort of disappointing Um, having him on my fantasy team. I finally cut him during the playoffs. Very good. Because I couldn't take it anymore. How did you
2: do in those playoffs, by the way? I
0: lost to you that Uh, week. Oh, (laughs) I
2: totally forgot. Did you ask that question
0: on purpose? You you, you (laughs) just (laughs) just asked it on purpose. At the beginning of that week, so Reggie Jackson was benched. I think the first after the first six minutes of the game, at least my 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 stats state so said so. And yeah, I dropped him. And uh, it, right. my week just went tumbling down from there and I lost to you.
2: I mean, there's more than Reggie Jackson, but yeah, I have to agree with Varun here. He definitely was signed with a lot of money with the expectation of being, you know, a, their at least their starting point guard and Jeff Van Gundy, I mean, not Jeff Van Gundy, his brother, Stan Van Gundy gave him a lot of confidence, you know, he, like, he, like, gave him the ball, he was, I don't know, from from what he said publicly, he was, like, all behind him, but yeah. the way he played just didn't justify Terrible. playing him, starting him, so, exactly. yeah, he's pretty disappointing season for him.
1: Most disappointing coach, our next award, and I'll go first this time, this is, I think we all, we were just talking about it before we started, It's it's actually kind of hard, because no coaches were fired. And I think teams, for the most part, played well this season. Met I mean, expectations. Yeah, expectations. Right. Yeah. So I actually went with Tom Thibodeau in Minnesota. Wow. Because I think he was hired for the sole reason to give that Minnesota team a sense of defense, and mm. that did not happen. In fact, Minnesota was pretty bad on defense this year, and that's why. But it's it's a hard it's a hard award to give away. But I would go with Thibodeau for this one. Solely for
0: that purpose, oh, defense. Oh, oh, really? I mean, I, I would agree with you there, but I think it's for a different reason. I, did, I just think that Tibbs didn't really know how to coach a young team, right? Because when he was coaching the Bulls, it was a sort of a veteran-laden team. Of course, you had Derrick Rose in his second year, third year, but he was playing like a veteran. Yeah. And um, he, I mean, he, he sort of got uh, his imprint of what he wanted in his team right away. And that's why the Bulls were so successful during those years, right? He also had his prototypical player in Jimmy Butler, right? He didn't really have that sort of, sort of a guy in Minnesota, and you just had a really young, raw team that had, uh, had a lot of improvement to make. And I just think to expect that improvement to happen in one year is, is sort of flawed thinking uh, on our part and also on the rest of the media's part. Right? Yeah. Because we were all saying that if there's going to be a surprise playoff team, it was going to be Minnesota. And I guess uh, Tibbs did not meet that criteria. So I sort of agree with you there. okay, Jeff?
2: Yeah, I agree with you, but I think yeah, they need more time. Uh, they need more time because there's such a young core and a new coach. You know, he can't instill all those defensive principles in just that one offseason he had. You know, this young core needs to. He's trying to build around them, so you have to. I you have to give them another year to see how, they're, how good they'll be. And I definitely think they'll improve. Um, yeah, for me, I'm just gonna go to my pick because I picked a coach that has been there for two years but still hasn't really shown results. And that's Alvin Gentry. Okay. He's uh. Oh, it's a good one. He joined the Pelicans after the Pelicans had made the playoffs. You know, the warriors defeated them in the first round, but since he's joined them, he's had, he's, he's had the first season had the record of 30 and 52. The previous season before that was 45 and 37. So he's, he decreased by 15 games in terms of wins. And this season he had 34 wins and 48 losses. And that's like way underperforming for what you expected out of him. He yeah. was supposed to take the Pelicans to the next level, but he really just brought them back.
0: Yeah. And I think it has more to do with Alvin Gentry trying to get the Pelicans to play his style when that really isn't what fits his team. I'm going to go with Steve Clifford of the, oh, okay. of the Charlotte mm. Hornets. one. So an interesting
2: one.
0: Staying on the Hornets. Staying on the Charlotte ragging <laughs> train here. <laughs> right. First, they I, lose I just the
2: think All-Star game, and now you rag on them, right?
0: Oh, <laughs> oh my God! I mean, you make a good point there. Anyways, uh, Michael Jordan. I'm sorry, but I guess Steve Clifford. I mean, obviously, you look at the win disparity from last year to this year. They were in the playoffs last year, and uh, and this year they obviously didn't make it. weren't even close, right? And I just felt that Steve Clifford's late game execution left a lot to be desired. I just, I just felt that you know he's um, really. Uh, reputed as a a coach that coaches a lot of scheme. And he didn't really show that throughout the season. And it showed, I mean, the Charlotte Hornets were the only team with a positive point differential to not make the playoffs. And that just goes to show that they were in a lot of close games. And when you're in those close games, you need late game execution. That's when your coaching really comes into play. And I thought Steve Clifford just came up short in that regard.
1: Yeah, it's an interesting case to make for Steve Clifford because the blame game going around in Charlotte is I mean who do you really put the blame on there for a disappointing season? Right. So yeah, you know, you there's a lot of people people you can point the finger at. But let's go on to our next two awards. We're gonna do them together. Most disappointing executive executive, like you know, front office executive who made very terrible decisions, and most disappointing team. So Gru, let's start with you.
0: Okay, so my most disappointing executive is I'm gonna be pretty obvious here. I'm gonna meet the executive that got fired, Rob Hennigan. And it, it's not it's not terrible. just because of the Ibaka trade. I mean the the Ibaka trade was terrible. He would have been on on my list anyway, just for that. But the unprofessionalism as well. Like just you you remember they they took a picture of the, that board right next to their their free agency board right next to their player. Yeah. And then Rob Hennigan said, Oh, that's nothing. That's just uh, all our all our plans plus people teams have called us about. And it I mean it just shows that the uh, the unprofessionalism that was going on. Scott Skiles warned about warned, uh, the magic about it, uh, last year before he left. And it just goes to show that, I mean, he wasn't a very good executive and, uh, it's a good thing that he got fired. So now the Orlando magic can go in the right direction. So I just felt that Rob Hennigan was the the most disappointing, uh, executive and, uh, the most disappointing team of the year, probably the the Orlando magic, in my opinion, just because, uh, yeah, there's a correlation there, obviously. Yeah. There's a, there's a correlation there and, I mean, you expected them to take the take the next step because uh, uh, last year uh, their record was um, pretty bad. Yeah, it was pretty it was pretty <laughs> it's been bad. Pretty bad. Thirty five. They're thirty five and forty seven, which means they were six games off of reaching five hundred. So you thought that they were on the cusp, and when you're five hundred in the Eastern Conference, you're pretty much make you pretty much make the playoffs at that point. And they just didn't make that jump. They tried with the Ibaka trade, but that ended up as a huge flop. And I just expected more from them. Now it looks like they're going to have to start over. And hey, listen, they got the best guy to start over with in John Hammond from the Bucks. Very back. good executive. Right. And hopefully they, they turn it around, but they're going to have to start over again. Go ahead, Jeff.
2: Yeah, I have to agree with you that uh, Rob Panigan, definitely the probably the worst worst GM this season. He signed, yeah, he signed Ibaka and Biombo, And they already had, what's that guy's name? Vucevic? Yeah. It Vucevic. just it just didn't make any sense. And I mean they had he had to move a pocket later on. It was just it was a mess. So I agree with you on that. Um as for the most disappointing team, I'm not saying the magic because I'm saying that um, there's also the off court stuff. So I have to say the New York Knicks. Based oh. on like how they performed, yeah, they played bad. They didn't make the playoffs. They were like I said earlier, Derek Rose called them a super team, quote unquote. But uh, they obviously (laughs) underperform. But also off the court, they're just like, they're problems with Phil Jackson and the owner. And, And, uh, you know, the owner, what happened with Charles Oakley, you know, kicking out of the game and like the NBA having to mediate that relationship. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, he, he, the owner banned him from the stadium, which is like insane for not really doing much from what we know. And then... uh, And then Phil Jackson, just the stuff he's been saying out there and, like, the players, he doesn't relate to the players at all. He tries to, like, do these, say these things that, like, to motivate his players, kind of, but they really end up just, like, you know, players are on the same page as him, leading to, like, Kristaps Porzingis not wanting to go to the exit interview. His situation with the Knicks is still up in the air, kind of, at least, I mean, relationship-wise. He's under contract, so he can't really do anything, but... Yeah, there's just so much dysfunctional around the Knicks. It's hard to not pick them as the most disappointing, in my opinion.
1: It makes sense, and uh, I completely understand your point. In fact, I'm jumping off you because my dis- most disappointing executive, uh, you mentioned it, Phil Jackson, he, um, I think he, he traded for Derrick Rose. He did get rid of Robin Lopez's contract, but Robin Lopez ended up playing pretty well for the Bulls this year. Right. So that might have not looked so good anymore. <laughs> so Derrick Rose, obviously, and I think – uh, along with the fact that all this melodrama drama, I mean, I actually agree with him in the sense that I think Melo needs to go somewhere else for the Knicks to go forward. I agree with that, but he did it in the wrong way. I mean, calling him out in public and in the media is not the right way. You should have just sat him down in private and said, Melo, this is not working out. Let's reach to an agreement where you can go somewhere where you can win a ring and we can rebuild. I think that would have been off to a, you know, would have been a much better way to handle it, in my opinion, but he yeah. didn't handle it that way. And most disappointing team, uh, Guru had talked about them, the Charlotte Hornets. That's my most disappointing mm. team, because you look at the progress last season, where they were one game away from making the second round of the playoffs, and you know, and they actually looked very competitive in the playoffs. Like I think I was thinking that if they won in the first round, it was the the Heat, right? It, it was the Heat. Yeah, if yeah. they beat the Heat in the first round, they yeah. had a legitimate shot against the Raptors in the second
0: round. It was a seven game series. Yeah. If uh, I can. That recall. was interesting. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: But uh, this season they missed the playoffs, and who do you put the blame on? I mean, I would put it on a Michael Jordan because he's making a lot of mediocre moves. So that's that's who I would put the blame on. But the Hornets need to do something about next season. We'll see where they go. Those are
0: my picks. But let's uh, we're done with the Razzie Awards. All right, those were our four Razzie Awards. And just a quick shout out to the Sacramento Kings. Just because you were not in any of our awards does not mean yeah, you're exactly. off the hook thank you yeah
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah actually i think our th- we, we we banged on the Knicks and the hornets a lot i think we all three trashed them yeah a, bit, pretty, so.
0: pretty, a little bit too much yeah
2: and magic I, I, Knicks, I, hornets and magic i did not trash the hornets just okay saying.
1: fine yeah <laughs> me and okay. guru did deservedly so sixth man of the year so this time the nba decided to change it up and they said oh we're gonna do an award show instead And we're going to nominate people, right? And we're going to have Drake on the awards show. And he's going to put on... We're going to have Nicki Minaj doing a song. (laughs) Stuff like that, okay? So the NBA nominated three guys. Lou Williams, Eric Gordon, both from the Rockets. I question whether it's... I mean, nominating two players from the same team. I wonder if, you know, that's something that should happen in in the future. I don't think they should do that. And then they have Iguodala, which I think was an interesting pick. Because normally the sixth man of the year candidate is given to the best scorer off the bench. So I commend them for picking who who is not the scorer off the bench. So my pick was uh, James Johnson. He wasn't in
0: the three. Oh, the Miami Heat guys, yeah, by the way. exactly. Just in I, case yeah. you forgot what team he was on. I was going to mention it, group.
1: Okay. <laughs> <laughs> like James Johnson is the one guy who has not deserved... He is not given any credit at all. He has not been in the spotlight at all. He should have been nominated for sixth man of the year. I mean... All respect to Iguodala, but if you're going to nominate Iguodala, you got to nominate James Johnson because he's Iguodala 2.0 at this point. Very good defense, do-it-all player, pass, rebound, assist, score, he does everything. Best iso defender in the NBA. I mean, how do you not nominate him for the Sixth Man of the Year? I mean, it's it's mind-boggling, but that's my pick. Go ahead, you guys. What do who do you guys pick?
0: Yeah, James Johnson would have been a tremendous pick. I I Actually thought he would end up in the top in the top three of some award, either yeah. most improved or six men. He didn't end up on, on either list, and uh, yeah, he has to stay home for the award show, which is sad. But oh, who
1: wants to go there anyways? Uh,
0: I guess players want the extra salary yeah, on their probably. on their books. Yeah, right. So uh, I'm gonna go with Eric Gordon. You mentioned that there are two players on the same team in the top three. I think that's because. Um, the media was just confused uh, as to whether to give the award to Eric Gordon or Lou Williams ended up voting for uh, for both as a result and both of them both, both of them ended up in the top three but I'm gonna give it to Eric Gordon just because he was on the Houston Rockets longest and uh, just also because that um, he was really the, the driving force between, behind the Houston Rockets successful season I know that it, it didn't end the way the Rockets fans or their team wanted it to end but uh, this is a regular season award, and I felt that Eric Gordon really carried his bench through the regular season. So I'm going to give it to Eric Gordon because, mm-hmm. I mean, it's the six men of the year. Really, I, I always felt that it was an award given to the best scorer. Yeah, off the bench. But uh, and I, I see that you want to change. I see that you want to change the definition of the award. I respect that. Yeah. Uh, but I'm going to stick with it. I'm going okay, to go to Her- sure. Eric Gordon. No problem.
2: Mm. Jeff, go ahead. Well, speaking of changing the definition of the award, I had to pick. Andre Iguodala. I mean, this is an interesting year. This year is a lot of people are getting their stats. Uh, hence, like Eric Gordon and Lou Williams both putting up like double high, double mid, double-digit stats. But I think Andre Iguodala's impact is just, you know, beyond stats. He's 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 one of the top 30 in in real plus-minus. I think in raw plus-minus, he's top 10. Um, he's averaging the highest. I mean, he has the highest assisted turnover Great, he's 4.58 assists per turnover which is insane and he guards the best player every single night on the other team and he's on a team that has the best record in the NBA so it's hard not to to like overlook his impact he has off the bench so I have to give it to him this year and yeah like part of the reason why I'm giving it to him because I feel like (laughs) you know this award should go to the best player off the bench not the player who is you know why not, pick, why not not pick not James Johnson over Igudola? Well, I, for James Johnson, well, he's my pick for another award. I okay. think, I think James Johnson, his team isn't good enough to win this award. That's okay. what I think. They didn't make the playoffs; like they weren't one of the top sixteen teams in the league. So that's yeah. the, the reason why. For oh. me, it's winning, and he helps his team win. Uh, yeah, like during that stretch where where Durant was out, he I think shot over sixty percent. He like kind of carried the role that Durant. You know they were missing from Durant, so I have to go with the Gidala.
0: Okay, okay, I, yeah. I respect that totally. Makes sense.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I know James Johnson won't win. I think Eric Gordon will probably end up winning this award. I mean, yeah, probably based That's on his history. Pick, yeah. yeah, probably, They'll probably <laughs> based on the history of the yeah. award. Yeah, Rookie of the Year, Embiid, Sarge, Brogdon. Who do you pick, Jeff?
2: Hmm, this one was was a rough one because based on raw talent, like you can't overlook Embiid. And is like a potentially top five. Okay, top center in the league actually. And maybe top <laughs> player. But you know, he only played under forty games, like thirty one, is that correct? Thirty one games. So you can't really pick him. But if when you take him out of the equation, like this season was pretty disappointing in terms of rookies. Like Malcolm Brogdon and Dario Saric, they're yeah. not like big like do you see them as future all stars, any of you guys?
0: Saric maybe.
2: Yeah, right. Yeah. But but I feel like Saric he came on too late. He was good at the second half of the season when they yeah. weren't playing for anything. So yeah, that's why my pick was Brogdon, who I don't even see as an all star in the future, which is kind of disappointing. But just going back to this award, yeah, I have to pick Brogden because of his impact off the bench. He's the one who played like consistent minutes for a playoff team. He shot over forty percent from three and he was a he was actually like a leader off the bench. Like facilitating their offense, playing good defense, you know, he's a He's a pretty solid player for a good team. So I had to pick him over Dario, who was on a bad team, and just put up empty stats, and Embiid, who didn't play enough minutes. So yeah, that's my pick.
0: Yeah, uh, I would have to agree with you there, Jeff. I just think the Rookie of the Year award this year is is pretty disappointing, given the candidates, and, and just given uh, that the fact that Ben Simmons was injured this year. Maybe he could have won it this year. Who knows? But hey, hopefully next year it'll be better. We, we were talking about the rookie class, for next year. And Ben Simmons is going to be a part of that. So hopefully it's better. I'm going to have to give it to Brogdon as well, just given, you know, his the consistency of which he played with and the consistent minutes he got either off the bench or starting. Right. And he, he really helped carry, uh, the Milwaukee bucks to, to the playoffs this year as, as the sixth seed. And I just really respect his game. I think he, he plays the game the right way. One of those types of guys, right? He's a senior out of, out of college. Sound, yeah. yeah, fundamentally sound. That's sort of what I'm going with. Yeah. And you, uh, he was the best rookie this year, I felt. So giving yeah. it to him. And it's interesting because if Michael Brogdon
1: wins the rookie of the year, he will be the first second round rookie to win this award. So yeah, that's pretty quite insane. an accomplishment. I think that also is a sign that things are changing where second round picks will be more valuable because now you're looking for more shooting. You're looking for more skilled
0: players and you can find more skilled players now in the second round. Not, o- not only second-round players, but college seniors. Yeah. I feel that freshmen are overvalued a little too much because of their age. Yeah. And seniors are, are sort of uh, put off to the side because, because of their age. And I just think you have to look at their experience a little more and their ability to contribute right away. And that's showed in Brogdon. Right. Yeah. Exactly. But I disagree here. And you guys know my pick. I don't care if you play
1: 31 games only. Joel Embiid is my pick for Rookie of the Year. What? Listen. I know he only played 31 games, but the level of play was so vastly different. Saric and Brogdon, okay, sure. But Embiid was so much higher than them in the 31 games he played. He played like a superstar, okay? Like, he, I don't know his exact stats off the top of my head, but he was killing it on every stat. Even assists. Even assists. I think it was like three assists, three and a half assists per game for a rookie? A rookie center? It's pretty remarkable in my opinion. And he was scoring on threes. He was scoring everywhere. I I just think like, it was just the the level of play was so vastly different this year that I have to give it to Embiid, even though he only played in 31 games. I mean,
0: I, Jeff, you want you wanted to say something?
2: Yeah, no, yeah. Every time he played, like it was like much watch TV. He was that like mesmerizing, like the way the moves he can do, like he he did that all like last season on those those YouTube or like video clips that were online. But he's like. He, he showed potential in those, but he could do that to anyone in the NBA. And it was just really remarkable just watching him play. So I agree. If, but his sample size is just way too little. That's what I think. Yeah, and 31 games, not sense. playing back-to-backs. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I, th- I don't think anyone disputes the fact that if Joel Embiid gets c- consistently healthy right, and starts, uh, starts playing 80-82 games, right? he's going to be a star yeah he uh, yeah, all-star mark, mvp candidate and yeah that's a big question mark, healthy big g- given given his first three years in the league how they've gone right but i, I just think that 31 games is, is 31 games I, I don't think that you can give the rookie of the year award to that sort of a guy but it's not it's not an indictment on him yeah. or his career i i just uh, i just think that hey may, he's a future mvp candidate but it just didn't happen for him this year health-wise under normal yeah. circumstances yeah go ahead jeff go ahead
2: yeah, no, keep going. I just have a point after this. Oh, I was just going to say, go.
1: under normal circumstances, I would give it to Saric if he played a little more consistently throughout mm-hmm. the year. But in this case, the sample size, the talent difference was so vast that I would take the chance to give it to Embiid. He's probably not going to win. They're probably going to give it to Saric. That's my. That's what I would think. I but think, I I think Brogdon wins it. Okay, cool.
2: Yeah. Well, yeah, oh. I was going to point out, because you guys were mentioning earlier about like players that are first year who came out of college. And, like, look at this year. Like Malcolm Brogdon, he's a fourth year. Dario Saric played overseas for another two years after he was drafted. And Bede was in the NBA for two years before he finally played. Like, these players are, like, more experienced. That's the only reason why they performed well their first year. And those players that were the big names drafted early, like Jamal Murray, Jalen Brown.
0: Brandon Ingram. uh, Brandon Ingram.
2: Ingram. Like, these players, like... They've showed potential, but we actually don't really know how they're going to be in two years. So I find it really interesting with this year's draft being like almost everyone in the top 10 as a freshman. It's just going to be really iffy. It's it's like, why, yeah. I'm not really sure how, how, how I feel about that.
1: That argument has always been there, right? That players, college players should stay in college for at least two to three years to give them yeah. the experience. And it, it makes a lot of sense. So we'll see if they revisit that in the future. But let's yeah. move on to most improved player. I think it's a very subjective award, in my opinion. Most Improved Player. You can make a case for so many players. Uh, The NBA nominated the Greek Freak, Giannis, Nikola Jokic, and Rudy Gobert. So, Guru, you you seem very excited. I think
0: I know who you're going to pick, but go ahead. (laughs) (laughs) Well... I, I think they, they got those three guys pretty spot on. Yeah, I think it was correct. Yeah. yeah, those those three guys are, were pretty much my top three as well. Who was the third guy after Jokic and Giannis? Rudy Gobert. Rudy Gobert. Okay, so yeah. Me, and, I mean, you made the point, right? The most improved player is a very subjective award. You can give it to anyone. I mean, Bradley Beal was a candidate. Eric yeah. Gordon was, Otto Porter. was a candidate. Otto Porter was a candidate. I mean, there are a bunch of guys you can just throw out. But I'm just going to give it to Giannis just because... Listen, I mean, I think we all knew that Giannis was going to be a star, right? And he was a budding star. It's very, very difficult to make that transition from a budding star to an actual superstar. I mean, he did not make the all star team last year. We all know that, right? But this year, he was starting the all star game and he was top 20 in every major category. That's a huge mm-hmm. jump. It is. For, even for a reason. player of his category, of his caliber, right? And I think it's a harder jump to make than the jump that Jokic made, right? Jokic was uh, a rookie who was barely getting any playing time. To now, he he finally got playing time, and he's showing um, why he got that playing time, right? Because he's a really good player, and that's that's sort of why the per 30, the per thirty six minute stats are there, right? So you can sort of project a player when he, if he's getting more minutes. Yeah. And Jokic sort of matched that per thirty six minute stats. Giannis was already getting those same minutes. There's no minute de- huge minute deviation between last year and this year, but I see a ton of improvement from a statistical standpoint, from a leadership standpoint, uh, and just from a pure skill standpoint. So I'm going to give it to Giannis Okay, I, just, I, I feel that he deserves the award this year. I, I like the, uh, the candidates they,
1: they nominated here. I like all those three, but I have to go outside and pick somebody else. My man from Boston, Isaiah Thomas. He oh, had no. such a fantastic oh, year. Come on, you got to admit, he had a. the Boston would not be in the position that they were if Isaiah Thomas did not make this jump, okay? He went from 22 points to 29 points. That's actually pretty big. One of the top fourth quarter scorers, very clutch, right? He's basically Boston's offense. He got them to the Eastern Conference Finals. I think they were the underdogs against the Wizards. I think a lot of people picked the Wizards to win that series. Uh, and yeah and but they beat the wizards they were down 2-0 against the bulls isaiah thomas came and you know he played his game and i have to give it to thomas fantastic year for a guy who's fine nine we talked about this guy a lot but in my opinion he's the most improved player you talk about this guy a okay, lot. okay fine i talk about him a lot and he deserves <laughs> to be talked about a lot yeah okay. but go ahead jeff
2: well yeah i agree that Giannis, rudy and Nikola, they're Definitely the top three trace traditionally, but yeah, I, I went unconventional. I had to pick James Johnson. Just oh, he's a nice. He's an old player. He's what twenty nine. I think he's thirty. Thirty. Yeah. He's tw- he was twenty. Oh, he was twenty nine, turning 30, So yeah, but he made a huge jump from what he did last season. He's averaging career highs across the board, points, assists, rebounds. You know, he's and he's a huge impact player for a team that almost made the playoffs. Yeah. That's a big if, big, you know, knock on his this getting this award. But, you know, I think just we should honor him for being able to jump from five points, averaging five points last season to 12.8 points. That's more than double. Yeah. And I think, yeah, you know, that's my pick. Unconventional, but James Johnson. I like it.
1: Yeah. And he, he was fantastic. I mean, there's a reason why the Miami Heat went 30 and 11 in the second half of the season. And you can point your finger to... James
2: Johnson,
1: the best yeah, ISO well. defender. Exactly, best ISO <laughs> defender. Who would have thought James Johnson would be the best ISO defender?
0: Who would have thought exactly. James Johnson would be the best at anything? Yeah, exactly. You yeah. know, he
1: came out of nowhere and fantastic season for him. Who do you... this list. Yeah. So, so yeah. Jeff, I know Guru probably thinks it's going to be Giannis because he picked from this list, but asking you if who do you think would was actually going to take the award?
2: I honestly, there's no doubt in my mind it's going to be Giannis. Yeah, same here. I think it's going to be Giannis. He's too good. He's yeah. too good compared to better last year. And he's a top five, maybe, player in the league. You can Probably make
1: the top, case. Top eight. Yeah. You, you, you can, can make, make the case. I wouldn't argue that. And, I, mean, I wouldn't disagree with that. <laughs>
0: right. And and just uh, just like five seconds. Thank you, Nikola Jokic, for the contributions you made to my fantasy team this year. I really, truly appreciate it. If you're listening to this <laughs> podcast, I love you like anything. Wait, but Jeff still beat you.
2: <laughs> uh. You know what? I'm (laughs) going to take my (laughs) pride. (laughs) And I'm going (laughs) to...
1: Damn it. (laughs) Damn it, Jeff. Not enough, Jokic. Should have contributed a little bit more. Uh, Anyways, thank you, Jokic. Thank you. Next award is Coach of the Year. The NBA-nominated Mike D'Antoni of the Houston Rockets. Eric Spoelstra of the Miami Heat. They made that incredible second-half run. That's why he's here. And Greg Popovich of the Spurs, which... I was kind of, I was pleasantly surprised by it. You know, he could win the Coach of the Year every year, technically, but they normally don't nominate guys. You know, coaches who are consistently very good. Well, at it's the normally same time, surprise coaches, right? At the
0: same time, they've never nominated this. Like they've never done this top three thing. Yeah, before that's true. they released the award, right? I mean, before if you were in second and third place, you're pretty much last.
2: Yeah, right. He was almost in, almost always in second and third place. I yeah, like. that, I, yeah, I, I, I sort of feel that
0: way about Pop. Yeah, but you want me to go first go ahead yes okay so I'm actually gonna go with Eric Spolstra and uh, I know that Mike D'Antoni here look he's had a fantastic season turn around the Houston Rockets when they were down in the dumps They were the eighth seed James Harden looked uh, unmotivated uh, they just lost Dwight Howard they were putting in clean Capella in the lineup and Mike D'Antoni came in and just put his imprint on the team changes entire, changing the entire team I agree but Eric Spolstra what he achieved in the, the during the second half of the season you know, I don't really think it's the adjustments you made before the season, but it's the adjustments you make in season with the players you have. Very true. Yeah, that I I think are more valuable. I mean, especially when you're determining an award like this, because think about it: the Heat were eleven and thirty to start the year, and they ended the year thirty and eleven. How many teams have done that before? Not in my life. I don't lifetime. think any team has done that. I, yeah, I
1: actually can't think of any team that's done that before.
0: Right, and it just shows the adjustments that Eric Spoelstra had to make, and given the players that he had on the ros- on the roster, I mean. I mean, Justice Winslow got hurt, and they were calling all these guys up from the D-League, O'Kara White, Rodney McGruger. Yeah. I, I mean, the list goes on and on. And James Johnson, players that just like came out of nowhere. And I don't think that it's just because those players came out of nowhere. It's because Eric Spolstra put those players in a position Definitely. to succeed, right? And I just think that given all that he's achieved this year, I know they didn't make the playoffs, but I think that's just because of the, uh, because of the tiebreaker. It's an, an unfortunate situation, really. And I just feel he deserves the award. Okay. So Eric Spolstra for me. You think he'll win it? it? You think he'll actually win it? I think I think Mike D'Antoni would win it. Okay. But I think it'll be close. I hope Eric Spolstra wins it. Yeah. And I, I like Spolstra a lot too, but I actually picked
1: D'Antoni because he revolutionized the Rockets from last year, right? Last year, the Rockets were uh, just made the playoffs, just got one win against the Warriors. They look terrible. Very technically... Uh, Um, disoriented right right and uh, i don't think it was like james harden and four of the guys just standing there watching him play this year though mike d'antoni said you know what james you're a great passer i'm gonna make you a passer and guess what james harden averaged 11 assists that's pretty remarkable right a guy who went from shooting first to pass first and he still put up 29 points by the way so it's remarkable and d'antoni made eric gordon look really good coming off the bench and he's i think he you know, the Rockets saw a huge jump this year, so I take D'Antoni.
2: Yeah, my pick is, I agree with you, based on, like, how he improved the Rockets from last year and making them the top three seed. But it's hard to take out the, vis- the visuals of D'Antoni spitting that clipboard when the Rockets are about to <laughs> get eliminated in the playoffs.
0: And regular season it's award. Regular season award. It's, 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 it is,
2: but just, it just, I mean, yeah. it's a, it, I would have to pick him, but... He, they'll need a lot more work for next year. Yeah, they will. They need to be a good I'm defense.
0: Saying. I mean, yeah, I they need to be. They need to be a good defense. They need, they need to continue more of what they did this year, right? They need yeah. to improve upon it more because they're not sneaking up on anybody this year. Yeah, everyone's gonna yeah. gonna gun for them and know their weaknesses. And, and they need
2: to find their own like team like identity and like their team leader because Harden doesn't seem to be able to like isn't like the spiritual leader. He's their encore like points leader, but Definitely. they need someone on their team that can like drive them to. wanting the desire
1: to win it's got to be beverly in my opinion i think he's the alpha dog looks like it he's the alpha dog of that team so i would say patrick beverly should be the locker room leader yeah Yeah. he's sort of the
0: draymond green in a way yeah that's exactly how it's in a way but i i mean
2: he's he's way too unstable in my opinion like he's he's not a normal guy what (laughs) i
0: I think i think draymond green isn't a normal guy as well and i think that's what makes those guys special right they're not normal. They're special in their own certain way. Yeah.
2: Wait, no, right. no wait, listen, listen to me. No, like he he has his own circle. Like he he's he doesn't like socialize with any other players. He only talks to like his own friends, which he's known for since he's like since like elementary school. People people oh, in that's his neighborhood. Okay. Like, I mean, he makes does... the effort of like cutting everyone else out of his life. Wow. So I don't think like a player like that is like you know relatable and like with everyone. Like that's part of the reason like. I was listening to this interview that, uh, that Woj did. I can't pronounce Woj's name.
1: Yeah, Drew, Woj, go ahead. That's fine.
0: Woj, yeah.
2: Yeah, so I just, I think they need someone else. Like, he's just too odd of a guy who just doesn't really want to fit in. He kind of wants to fit out. Like, Draymond at least, like, talks to other players and, like, has a personality where people, like, you know, like him. And he wants to get, in, he wants to, get to talk to everyone and stuff. Jeff. So, Jeff. Yeah, that's just my own personal opinion.
0: <laughs> Jeff, have you considered a job at the New York Post?
2: No, but um, I just found that podcast really interesting. The Phoenix interesting. Post. Where uh, Woj uh, interviewed Beverly. So you guys should check it out. Oh, it's okay. interesting.
0: Yeah, okay.
1: I, I get what you're saying. It's a valid point, but he could still be the emotional leader of the Rockets to the very least because he's got that, that strength on the court. But let's go yeah. on to the next award. Executive of the Year. So the NBA did not nominate anybody, but they will hand out the award on the awards show. So Jeff, let's start with you. I, I know you have some interesting names there.
2: Um, executive of the Year. Let's start with Guru. I'm, I'm, I just, <laughs> are, you, are you serious? Me. Wait, wait, wait. Who did I pick again? I'm I, sorry. I, I, I don't know it it you picked initially. But. Oh, let me wait, just wait.
1: quickly describe Executive of the Year, by the way, for those of you that are not familiar. It's basically given to the president or the general manager that made the best trades, draft picks, signings, combination of those this season. To put their team in a good position to win, made so, their team great. Yeah, exactly. Hopefully, again. Yes. So, who who's going first? Jeff, you want to go first? You want uh, Wait,
2: dude, This is so unprofessional. I totally forgot who I. Okay, Guru, you I go first. Go <laughs> first. I, I,
1: Jeff, I know who you pick, but it's okay. Guru, you go first. Wait, oh, yeah, just oh,
2: remind yeah. me later. Okay, uh, remind you later. Okay. <laughs> after well,
0: group, after, group. I, I, after after me. Okay, so I'm gonna go with uh, Daryl Morey of the of the Houston Rockets. Okay. I mean, we all talk about how the Houston Rockets were were down in the dumps. They were the eight seed last year, and they didn't see it. Didn't really look like they were going to improve much more above that. I mean, people projected them to be a six seed the, this year. But Daryl Moore, he just put the perfect ingredients together. He did not give up on his vision of analytics and uh, the new way to play basketball, right? And he sort of brought that perfect marriage together with Mike D'Antoni and James Harden, and, and brought the correct um uh, surrounding pieces with uh Eric Gordon and uh Ryan Anderson, Ryan, Ryan Anderson, right? Ryan Anderson. Yes. Yeah, I keep giving a lot of money. I keep confusing Ryan with Kyle. Yeah, right. <laughs> and uh, yeah, they gave, gave him the contracts and um, just just built a team around that idea, right? Yeah. And that that deserves deserves some praise, right? To it like does. be to keep sticking with your idea even when you're down and you it seems like you're out and no one's giving you a chance, right? Daryl Morey really really stepped it up and uh, I I felt that he deserves the award this year given what he did uh, during the off season. I and uh, I think just the
1: fact that he hired Mike D'Antoni is enough to and say that Daryl Morey. Also, he
0: it. pulled up one of the best trades during the trade deadline for Lou Williams. Oh, that was a great trade. That was yeah. a great trade yeah. for
1: yeah for what the Rockets were trying to do. Yeah, right. So yeah, and I I have to give credit to the Rockets owner who's been very patient with Daryl Morey. I think Morey's been there a very long time since T-Mac and Yao Ming, right? T-Mac and Yao Ming? I think he was there when, they. I think, like near their end years. Yeah, he's been there for yeah. a long
2: time. He's one of the longest executives, I think.
1: Yeah, okay. and I'm surprised he's been there so long, actually, I mean, given his tenure. But um, I actually picked somebody else. Um, I'm going with John Hammond of the Milwaukee Bucks. Wow. The, the Bucks were uh, surprisingly good this year. They made the playoffs. And let's look at his moves. Okay, let's look at the draft, first of all. First round, he takes Thon Maker. Okay? Initially, it did not look like he would contribute much. But end of the season, playoffs, he played really well. And he looks really good going into the next season. Second round, potential Rookie of the Year, Michael Brogdon. Malcolm. Second round. Malcolm. Malcolm. Okay, fine. Same Malcolm. thing. Malcolm. <laughs> Malcolm Brogdon. He drafted him in the second round. And he's a Rookie of the Year candidate. Okay, that's, that's, that's a pretty good hit if you're Hammond. And then he <laughs> traded for Tony Snell, who played very well. He signed Matthew De La Vadova, who also played very well. And he also signed Michael Beasley, who gave them a lot of points off the bench. So Hammond, I think he nailed it. S- uh, signings, trade, draft—he nailed all three facets. So I have to give it to Hammond.
2: Go ahead, Jeff. Oh, I remember that. Wait, so the, there was no top three for the executive <laughs> yeah, of the year? Yeah, didn't, right? they didn't—they didn't nominate anybody for executive. But
0: is it going to be? It, uh, they will revealed? give
1: out the yeah. They will give out the award. Okay, on the award show. That's weird. That's weird. Okay, yeah. continue. All
2: right. All right. The play, the the, the executive <laughs> that I pick is David Griffin. Oh <laughs> what? my god! Uh, this is this up. is an unconventional pick. Yeah, very un- no, yeah. no wonder
0: you forgot the award. It was so. I mean, it, I just, just, just go, just go, Jeff. Just, just oh, explain damn. yourself. Gru, For me, lie, just explain yourself after you're done. Yeah.
2: All right. The reason why I picked David Griffin is because he is make, keeping LeBron happy first of all and uh, that's not easy to do he's, he's he's bringing he brought enough pieces this year you know obviously the teams can get better but he brought enough pieces this year to get them to the place where they are now which is to make the playoffs and be the you know top two seed and probably make the championship which you know they they actually did and obviously it's so what we're recording that? this after game one ended and they got crushed but you never know it's still early but uh, yeah the, they brought some pretty important pieces they brought Kyle Korver and Darren Williams, which are both an upgrade from what they yeah, had last they had I year. I think Williams is better than Matthew Dellavedova, Dellavedova off the bench, mm-hmm. and Korver brings more shooting for them. And uh, yeah, and they kept the core intact. They kept they kept uh, they re- who did they resign this year? <laughs>
0: uh, LeBron R. James, Smith. Right? they they resigned LeBron James and J.R. Smith jerry okay. smith
2: and those are both key parts of their you know their championship run we forgot they won the championship last year with uh with how good the warriors have been playing but you know they kept the championship core and he added better pieces so you know in my opinion he's definitely you know co- uh, executive of the year
0: jeff do you know that the Cavs are spending 128 million this year I do know that I mean, the I, mean I, I I, totally I, I get where you're coming from from the Kyle Korver perspective right that was a great trade but I just felt that there were executives who did much more this year right a Masai Ujiri right was one guy that comes to mind John Hammond who uh, Varun picked us as his executive of the year I just felt that they did more than David Griffin did this year no no um, well no what to say no no disrespect to David Griffin Right. I think he's he's a fine GM. I just don't think he's the executive of the year this year.
2: Would you rather have him try to give money to Mozgov and Delavadova or get Corver and Williams for pretty much not no, no, much I, money? Here's
1: the thing, right? You know, he's mean, made
2: good moves, I think. He he so
1: here's the thing. We'll, we'll go back to LeBron. LeBron, I mean, I he resigned him, yes, but was there any doubt that he wasn't going to resign, right? He was going to come back, right? So, because I think that's of, more like Griffin's done. No, but I think that's more like a salesman, right? Same thing with Jairus Smith. I don't think he was going anywhere, right? I think that's more of a salesman of the year type thing. I could give David Griffin salesman of the year because <laughs> salesman of the he year. I mean, being Williams a salesman is part of being their job. You
2: know, okay, okay. As an sure. executive.
1: Yeah, so. you're right. You're right. That is part of the job. But I think John Hammond. He he did made a lot of moves that were very undervalued, right? They went under the radar, and they really paid off, right? When he signed Matthew DelVecchio, who knew how good that was supposed to be? But it turned out to be a very good move. When he traded yes. for Tony Snell, you know, under-the-radar move that turned out he very good. He improved their team. Fine, yeah. So I was, sure. I was thinking, like, exec, executive of the year more in the sense that under-the-radar moves, that paid off. But I see where you're getting at with David Griffin.
0: Yeah, and just playing devil's advocate with you, I mean, it's really easy to be under-the-radar when you're the M- Milwaukee Bucks. Which is also <laughs> yeah, a good point, yeah. But that's why we should sure. give awards to, you know,
1: executives for small-town small teams. Because yeah. they don't get a lot of recognition or credit. I, I agree. I agree. Okay. All right. Uh, we're coming out to the home stretch. Home. Defensive Player of the Year. Once again, I, I think, in my opinion, a very subjective award. You could pick like eight to ten guys and nominate those. All right. Whoa, oh, whoa. whoa. are you sure, whoa, you sure okay. about that? Yeah, I, it's a very subjective award in sure my opinion. I do. I, I don't. I, I disagree. Do. I, I, I could I, see eight to ten guys for this award. Can, eight can eight you
2: list ten. eight to ten guys? Uh, off
1: top of my head, okay. So they nominated Draymond Green, Rudy Gobert, Kawhi Leonard. I like all those three. All right. I think right. solid yeah. picks. You could also nominate Chris Paul, John Wall, DeAndre Jordan, um, Giannis. You can nominate James Johnson. You can nominate Deadman. Deadman's a little um, controversial because he didn't play a lot of minutes, but he was fantastic on defense when he played. Yeah, Deadman. So I think there it's a very subjective award. (laughs) So uh, some of the guys that he named Deadman from the Spurs, Mister. But I mean, the guy who
2: didn't play at all in the playoffs. Yeah, yeah. but
1: well, it's a regular season (laughs) award. So, hey, that's true. That's true. So I, mean, I think
0: it's it's very subjective, but hey you guys go ahead. Give your picks. Right. So um, just just regarding that, that what, what you just said. OK, mixing it back up. What what was I going to say? OK, I think it should go to Draymond Green. And uh, my my top two candidates this year were Draymond Green and Rudy Gobert. Those were the, the two guys I was considering the most. I mean, those guys that you named all great defenders. Uh, but but this year, I'm really looking at two candidates for the award. Those two guys. And I just felt that Draymond Green really deserves the award just because of his ability to guard multiple, um, multiple positions, do multiple things on defense, be the leader on defense, right? Because, as I mean, for the Warriors this year, Andrew Bogut left. And Andrew Bogut was sort of the king of the defense. He was, just, uh, he was the yeah. linchpin. He, he, he was telling people where to be, where to go, and he was a rim protector. This year, it was Draymond Green. And he had to teach Kevin Durant how to play defense in their system, which it took a couple of games. But it really he really took the dog out of Kevin Durant, and now Kevin Durant is a really good defender, right? And I just think that Draymond Green just his leadership and his overall de- defensive presence uh, just warrants giving him the award. I know I wasn't very eloquent there, but Draymond yeah, makes Green sense. for D- Defensive Player of the Year, Jeff.
2: Well, yeah. Well, the reason why I was like saying you can name eight players like that's crazy because. Yeah, like, I think there are eight players that potentially are there, but there's just two of them that are just above the rest, and that's Rudy Gay and Draymond Green. Rudy oh, Gobert. Yeah. Rudy, Rudy Gobert. Rudy Gay. I heard Rudy gay. Gay. Oh, my God. Uh,
0: Rudy Gay. Rudy Gay was, de- was probably paying, playing better defense while he was injured than when he's actually on the court. Damn. Damn. <laughs> oh, damn. Was okay, let's, there. Let's
2: not fire too many shots at Rudy Gay. He's actually looking for a new contract, which is... Anyways,
0: <laughs> I mean, I think he just wants out of Sacramento. I think that's what it is.
2: Yeah. Well, going back to the to the defensive player of the year, yeah, I would have to agree with you with Draymond Green. He's like a Swiss Army knife. Like the 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 edge he has <clears throat> over over uh, Rudy Gobert is that he can guard any position, and he can guard the perimeter also. Um, and he's not actually that much worse of an interior defender than Gobert is. Uh, Gobert defended 40 uh, at the rim. He, his opponents shot 43.3%, which is top five. And Draymond Green's opponents shot 43.8. It's a difference of 0.5%. So it's like pretty much dead even. But what Draymond brings is the ability to guard the perimeter. Gobert was one of the top three worst, or he contested the top three least three-point shots. Whereas Draymond was guarding. Everyone from one to five, and I think that difference is what you know, separates him from Gobert—the versatility. So, And he was—he led his team in rebounds, steals, blocks, and assists. But assists don't really matter in this case. But you know, he was a really important part of his team, and he was the like the heartbeat of the team, uh, especially on defense, but also offense. You know? Okay. So yeah, I gotta, I gotta go with—I gotta agree—go with Trey. And
1: if the NBA takes Green, Gobert, or Leonard, I'm okay with any of those three because all those three are fantastic defensive players. But I went unconventional. I went outside the list. And I am picking the Greek freak from Milwaukee, Giannis mm. Antetokounmpo, who is Interesting. a fantastic defender. And once again, because he's in a small town, small team, no one gives him the recognition he deserves. But he's an elite defender. Look at all the stats. He's, he's, a top. he's one of the top five guys in every... Uh, defensive stat. Gru, why are you looking at me like that? <laughs> okay, Anyways, How is he looking at you? I, I don't know, but it was strange. Anyways, I'm going back to Giannis. You say Draymond Green has to guard all five. I agree, but Giannis can do it better because he's more agile than Draymond Green and his, his, he has incredible wingspan. He could guard a Russell Westbrook or a Karl-Anthony Towns, right? He can guard any position on the floor. Uh-huh. And he's... oh look at, Look at his tape. Look at the stats and you'll see it. He's incredible on defense, and not to mention that he's at, he averaged close to two steals and two blocks a game, which is remarkable, right? Close to that, and so I'm gonna give it to Giannis. I think he deserves it. I, once again, you pick Draymond Green. I completely understand. Great player, great defensive player, and he deserves it. Rudy Gobert, same thing. So I don't have I don't have any problem if the NBA takes Draymond Green or Rudy Gobert or Kawhi Leonard for that matter.
0: Okay, well. I mean, I mean, just after your explanation, I just, I think that Giannis is is a very good defender, but I just, I just think that Draymond Green does more for his team. Does that make any sense? I think he does as
1: much of, Giannis does as much for his team as Draymond does. They're the best defensive Mm. players on their teams. I I guess. So that's why I say the Defensive Player of the Year award is very subjective, right? Because Rudy Gobert does a lot for his team as well. And so does Chris Paul. So that's why in that sense, it could be very subjective. You can pick a lot of players.
2: I mean, yes, but if you look at stats, that also matters, and I think yeah, Draymond Giannis has theirs.
0: Giannis is there on the stats. Giannis is there on the stats
2: on the counting stats, but like the no, efficiency, the defensive the, the rating, team,
0: defensive efficiency
1: is there too. <sighs> yeah, I mean, but I, I get Draymond Green. He he deserves it because I think for a power forward, averaging two steals is pretty remarkable.
0: Yeah, he averages yeah. two two steals. He also averages more blocks than Giannis does. Yeah, so he averages. But two Giannis blocks. is a wing player. Giannis is a wing player. He's small. Yeah, Draymond uh, I mean,
2: is a, a one through five defensive player. Well, right? Draymond I, or Green, is that, that, uh, yeah. he's still
1: more of he still guards the big guys more often, right? Uh, so Giannis still guards more of the wing players more often. I mean, often. the Warriors switch a lot, right? So I wouldn't more often than not, great Draymond Green will guard the the big guys, and um, I think Draymond Green once again, I have no problem with Draymond Green, fantastic defensive player. I think the one thing that though separates Giannis from Draymond Green. Is that Draymond Green cannot guard a Russell Westbrook consistently, whereas Giannis could. And I think that shows how good Giannis can be. I think he's already very good on defense, but he's going to be a lot better.
2: Okay. Okay. I mean, to guard a Russell Westbrook, you just let him shoot himself out of the game. All right, he'll still <laughs> score a lot of points, though. So yeah, I don't, that's not a very viable strategy. <laughs> I, I mean, if you're guarding him to win, that's a different story, but uh, I don't, whatever. We'll get into that with MVP talk.
1: MVP, which is our next award. We'll go right into it. One more award. MVP. This yeah. is our last award, yes. So the NBA nominated Russell Westbrook, James Harden, and Kawhi Leonard. They left LeBron off, which I think is, I mean, what the hell, dude. He should be in there. But uh, go ahead, Jeff. Your pick, MVP. Well,
2: my, starting out with me? Okay. Well, <clears throat> my pick before this top three was was announced was LeBron James. Okay. Okay. Um, Obviously, his team didn't finish the season as a number one seed, but this is like I picked him before before they were a the number two seed. But um, he's just done so much for his team. He's averaging career highs in rebounds, <laughs> assists, and uh, crap. I need a, I don't have it in front of me. He, but he's a great, I mean,
1: He's a great player, and he should have been nominated for the award. Definitely. They should have made an exception and put him as the fourth candidate. You made an I'm
0: exception a... put him as the fourth candidate? What does that yeah. mean?
1: Because they only nominate three candidates. You're in right? the top four? For each award. They should, they should, no, they should put him in consideration because they mm-hmm. said you can choose between these four candidates. Because right? the, the yeah, media I... makes the, the picks. Isn't it top
0: five? Isn't it uh, one, first through, through fifth? No, no. They nominate three players for each award, right? Right, right. Because they're they're the top three vote, uh, point getters. Oh, okay, okay, I see. Okay, no, I thought the NBA yeah. chooses
1: the three, and then the media chooses who they know. No, okay, okay, no, okay, no, okay no, I got no, that wrong. No.
0: All right. They're they're the top three point. So the the media voted after ap- after the season ended, before the playoffs okay. started. I see. Right, okay. and they, those guys were the top three point getters. Okay.
1: Oh, right? I mean, the the media nominating these players is a different discussion altogether because there could be a lot of bias there. But
2: yeah, that for a well, discussion. right. right. So okay. we? Yeah. Well. But based on these three, I would pick probably James Harden. Just because of team record, he's top. Like him and, in my opinion, him and Westbrook, have, their stats aren't really that much different. Like, sure, Westbrook has more rebounds, and he has a triple-double, which is, like, you know, highly regarded in today's NBA. But James Harden's you know, creates 27.2 points off assists. You know, he's... Oh, his team does shoot an insane amount of threes, which is why it's so high. But his his points per game and his rebounds per game aren't that aren't that much far from from Westbrook, and his assists higher. So I don't and his team's better. So that's the main reason why I want to pick him. So I would pick James Harden out of those three.
0: Yeah, and I, I respect your pick, but um one guy that I guess okay I I should I should rephrase that. So I picked Russell Westbrook for the award and and he, and here's why right if you told me before the season started that someone some player x was going to average a triple double over the course of the season you'd basically say you have to give that guy the award because we've never seen anything remotely Remarkable close that's
2: that's actually true yeah I remotely,
0: remotely close to that and i just feel that to back off of that now now that we know that this year has been a, a really good year statistically and more teams are running up and down and more, more more, stats are there to be had, more possessions are there to be had, right? Just because we know that now doesn't mean we should change that mentality. I think if Russell Westbrook does the same thing next year, right? If he averages a triple-double next year, and this, um, this t- t- statistical renaissance that the NBA is on right now continues, then we can have the discussion that, okay, maybe Russell Westbrook's stats are a bit inflated, and we should look at more aspects of his game before we give... Or more aspects of anybody's game before we give somebody the award but i just think this year just to be fair to russell and 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 to be fair to the game i think we just have to give it to him this year okay and i agree with you there grew i think averaging a triple double for
1: 82 games is an incredibly remarkable achievement and you have to bring it night in night out and so what westbrook did was pretty remarkable to average a triple double throughout the entire season 82 games all right and And I don't know the stat off my head, but when Westbrook averages a triple-double, OKC's uh, winning record is incredibly high. Whereas if Russell Westbrook does not average a triple-double for a specific game, then OKC has high chances of losing the game. I don't know the exact number, but that is a very telling stat of how much they depend on Westbrook to win. And uh, they made the playoffs only because of him. Now, obviously, they need to play a lot better, and Westbrook needs to keep those turnovers low.
0: And he needs to get more help. Yeah,
1: he needs a lot more shooting help. I mean, Doug McDermott, okay, cool, good shooter, but he's not a great player to keep on the floor for a long time, right? Cuz his defense is very subpar. So I give it to Westbrook. Any thoughts Jeff on our picks?
2: Uh, well, yeah, I mean, Westbrook's a great player, but the only problem I had was just first of all, his team's 6 seed, got the 6 seed. So that's a huge knock cuz no MVP in the past like however many years has gone the MVP without being in the top three seed and uh, he's only shooting 42 percent from the field he's averaging 5.4 turnovers so that's that's a six wise he's on that's a little iffy but uh also when you watch his team play they're completely trying to help him get stats like they're purposely like boxing players out like even though the balls running right from them they won't grab it and they'll <laughs> let Westbrook you know, get the ball. And he gets, like, three or four or five of those every game, and that's helping him pad his stats. And in the end, they're just numbers. They don't really contribute to your team winning. So that's the only reason why I didn't pick him. Well, think about what I I I said,
1: because when he averages a triple-double, they win most of the time. And when he doesn't, they lose. So I think that's that's a very
2: telling stat of team success. I mean... The, how, that's just one one you know sample size of correlation of no but that that
1: translates to wins and losses right they're winning and lo- losing is so much more different when he averages a triple double and when he but doesn't. yeah okay.
2: that's like when he averages a tri- when he plays a triple double that means he played really well i think that's like having good stats shows that you played well and he, it just shows he has a good impact on his team i agree but his team wasn't even that good they didn't even win that many games yeah. compared to the other team so i think you got to take that into account, also. Yeah.
1: Oh, not very good players around him, too. I believe. Um, that's that's true. Yeah, I, they don't have many shooters to complement Westbrook.
0: And just a note about the triple double. I guess what what I would what I would say in retort to that is that is anyone that averages like twenty six nine and eight any different than a person who averages a triple double like 20, 24, 10, and eleven. Are there, are they, is there really a significant difference between those two stat lines that I, that I outlined just because we use like the decimal system and we want to make every, uh, make everything like a 10, 10, 10 sort of thing uh, I mean, that doesn't doesn't really devalue someone who just misses a a
1: triple double. No, LeBron doesn't average a triple double, but that doesn't devalue him in any way.
2: Right. But LeBron plays with two other like superstar players. Same with, like, uh, like, if Westbrook was on a team with two other superstars, he obviously wouldn't have that great that, that of stats, you know? Yeah. That's, that's, you got to take that into consideration, right?
1: Well, but, but that's not the case. <laughs> He's not there with well, superstars. Yeah. So you also that take good. that into consideration.
2: Yeah, I mean, yeah. I guess
0: what I wanted to say is that there are many star players who did not have many people around them that did not accomplish this. Yeah, that's actually also a good point. Yeah. I mean, the last person to accomplish this was Oscar Robertson right and we've been waiting year after year after year who will do this who will average a triple double lebron stated as stated as a goal that he wanted to average a triple double one year he i mean of course he he could never accomplish that he got close this year he got he got got very close this year right jordan got very close too
1: in a couple seasons
0: michael jordan right and that's and that's why we always perceived it as this difficult thing right and now that russell has accomplished it I don't want to take that away from him. Yeah. Now that we know that, oh, it's been a very good year statistically for the NBA. Oh, you see so many people averaging a triple double or very close to a triple double, right? Yeah. Oh, you see people with uh, fifty-point triple doubles, forty-point triple doubles, right? We, I mean, we him should... and him and,
2: him and uh, James are the only two that got it. I
0: mean, I think if we're in the year two or year three of the statistical renaissance, I think we can consider it, but not not now. We're okay.
1: In... And yeah, that well that concludes our awards night. Thank you, Jeff. Uh, for joining us from all the way from Phoenix in that hot, burning city. Uh, and until S- next time, guys, thank you all. This is Varun Jeff Guru signing off.